Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that questions the mainstream media's sacred narratives and then gets deplatformed for doing so. Digitally burned at the stake, we might say. I'm Kevin Barrett with J. Michael Springman. Hey, J. Mike, good to have you back. It's great to be here. I always enjoy these shows and all the wonderful topics we get to discuss and throw rocks at a corrupt, incompetent, illegitimate, and racist government. That's right. And be vilified as uh, terrorists uh, and conspiracy theorists for doing so. Uh, and we will talk about how the Department of Homeland Security is now classifying us as, uh, I guess, intellectual terrorists or something. But before we do that, we have to go through our obligatory disclaimers. So we do question everything, especially mainstream media sacred narratives. And that's just what we do. If you don't like it, tough. Um, what's our, that's not much of a disclaimer, is it? Okay. Here's another disclaimer. Uh, this video could disturb you. Probably won't if you're watching it and you know what it, what the show is. But if you were trying to watch a cat video or something and you accidentally tuned in to False Flag Weekly News, you might get so disturbed that, you know, the kind of clotting that occurs sometimes in vaccinated people could be very dangerous and your um, undertaker might be shocked at what he found. So don't, whatever you do, uh, don't watch this show unless you intend to watch this show. <laughs> Hmm. My disclaimers are getting stupider every week, but, you know, I, I don't know what to say. It's the same old slide every week. Okay. And finally, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists or medical doctors or anything like that. So don't let us uh, do any brain surgery on you or uh, otherwise try to cure whatever your mental illness might be. All right. That's enough disclaimers. Let's get to the just here. Okay. What we're talking about sacred narratives. Uh, St. Fauci, who, of course, was uh, blasphemed against by RFK Jr. in his great book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And, uh, you know, people these days seem to want to embrace these beliefs that they get from the media, whether whichever media it is, as if they were holy writ. And that's why we have to question them and, and even poke fun at them here. And, and so far, we've only been digitally burned at the stake. Uh, but, Mike, it's, it's getting a little uh, crazy these days, isn't it? Our, our first story is that the DHS, Homeland Security, is now calling uh, people who spread misleading narratives and conspiracy theories uh, terrorists. Um, do you see any uh, drones outside your window coming at you? Uh, not yet, but I get a lot of helicopters flying over the house from time to time. <laughs> uh, hopefully not right when you're doing this show, because that, that would be distracting. Um, <laughs> they say, is it, here's what DHS tells us, quote, the United States remains in a heightened threat environment fueled by several factors, including an online environment filled with false or misleading narratives and conspiracy theories and other forms of mis, dis, and malinformation, MDM. <laughs> oh, what they're saying drug. is, if you speak the truth, you're one of them. But if you uh, absorb the lies that the uh, butt nugget Biden and his buddies are putting out, uh, you are a marvelous patriot. So they're going to kick in your door and say, we're looking for that MDM. Did you just flush it down the toilet? Uh, <laughs> no, I put it up on Sputnik and on Facebook and in my books, Visas for Al-Qaeda. And uh, goodbye, Europe. Hello, chaos. <laughs> and they say that this MDM, not to be confused with MDMA, which is a, some kind of psychoactive substance that I don't remember because, you know, that was back in the day when I used to take psychoactives. No, just kidding. Uh, whatever, whatever MDM is, it's being introduced and or amplified by foreign and domestic threat actors. The Department of Homeland Security tells us in its National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. I mean, I, I can't really write parody that's much different, really, from what the DHS is putting out. Well, that's astonishing and, and sickening and dangerous. And uh, you really fear for the future of America after that. Yeah, there, I thought there was this thing called the First Amendment. And if we express our opinions, uh, that's protected by the First Amendment. And we're not going to be deemed uh, foreign and, and domestic threat actors. Um, because of our interpretations of current events in history. But, you know, I guess everything changed on 9-11 when they blew up the World Trade Center and blew up the Constitution. And so here we are in 2022, and we're still saying these things, but how long? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So so speaking of misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, or MDM, uh, how about uh, Bloomberg announcing, uh, putting out its, its headline, Russia invades Ukraine. It went up around midnight Moscow time, stayed up for nearly half an hour. 
Talk about terrorists spreading misleading narratives. I mean, you know, they're goading. They're, they're doing everything they can to try to goad Putin into invading Ukraine. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll look like a wimp if you don't invade Ukraine. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. They try and suck him in there just like they did, you know, Brzezinski did with Afghanistan back in the Cold War days. And of course, Putin isn't falling for it. But then, well, why not just say that they, Russia invaded? <laughs> Ukraine. And that seems to be what Bloomberg tried. And, and they left it up for half an hour. I mean, that's you know, you, it's, it's like World War Three begins. The nuclear weapons are coming at you, uh, you know, bend over between your legs and kiss it goodbye. I mean, it's, it's like mainstream media is telling us that we're the ones spreading the bad information. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's bad fantasy. And uh, Phil Giraldi and I uh, talked about this separately on Sputnik. And it was originally to keep um, uh, Biden in office after these disastrous uh, inability to provide medical care and maintain order and things like this in the States. Uh, so they're, they're going to say, well, we scared the Russians into not invading by sending soldiers to Europe and to Poland and on Russia's doorstep. So that will be a great victory for um, uh, our, our illustrious butt nugget who really needs to be flushed. Uh, you know, the Russians don't invade, and therefore he achieved a great victory by threatening the living hell out of Russia and planning for nuclear war. Yeah, that's like that ritual invocation. May this house be safe from tigers. And it, it works very well in the parts of the world where there aren't any tigers. And it usually works even where there are. But So we'll get back to this issue of Ukraine in a little bit. But first, let's move on to Afghanistan and 9-11. Okay, so Joe Biden. Uh, is going to take pity on the starving people of Afghanistan by giving them half of their own money. Uh, Afghanistan has uh, $7 billion in assets that's been frozen by the U.S. So Biden, uh, in his infinite wisdom and generosity, has chosen to give half of that, $3.5 billion, to Afghanistan so that they won't starve quite as badly. The other half, the other $3.5 billion, he's going to use to fund ongoing litigation by 9-11 victims, um, and, of course, that's all going to their lawyers who have to be members of a certain ethnic group and foreign government lobby. Uh, so let the Afghans starve and let the rich get richer. That's astonishing. I mean, you, you've got the Washington Post for the last couple of months ranting and raving about the terrible situation in Afghanistan and the people on the brink of starvation and death. And there's no infrastructure, obviously, because 20 years of illegal and unconstitutional war have destroyed the country. But then to take their money and freeze their money uh, in other countries around the world uh, who are uh, uh, acolytes of the United States and the Holy Church of COVID uh, and give that to people who were blown up in a questionable attack on the World Trade Towers. Questionable? Uh, it wasn't questionable. It was a controlled demolition by uh, American and Israeli leaders. Let's face yeah. the facts, Mike. But uh, it, honest to God, uh, why steal from the Afghans to give to the Americans? Yeah, and, and uh, what's especially obnoxious about that, as you, as you said, is that 9-11 was actually done in order to justify the genocidal invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq and Libya and on and on and on. That's what it was for. 9-11 victimized the people of Afghanistan. And it, it, so in the next story, we see that there are still heroic people trying to get that truth out. One of them is Sue Keen, who was a 9-11 hero and eyewitness. Uh, she was, what, a Port Authority a police officer, I think it was. And yeah. she uh, rescued a, a very large number of people, helping people get out of the buildings on 9-11. And then she described what happened there. Uh, massive explosion. She's one of the hundreds of witnesses who recounted these tremendous explosions that blew up the entire World Trade Center, not just the Twin Towers and Building 7. Every single building with a WTC prefix was totaled by the massive explosions that were used to demolish the entire Trade Center so Larry Silverstein could collect the insurance and so that the U.S. military could be hijacked to engage in the genocide of many, many millions of people on behalf of the state of Israel and to make Muslims, the problem for Israel, the enemy to the entire world and to the West, especially, and especially the United States, for uh, the next century. That's why 9-11 was done. And her describing 
the actual explosions that she witnessed that day uh, will go down in history along with uh, hundreds of other similar eyewitness accounts uh, to essentially uh, back up what I just said. And more and more people are figuring this out. Like I had Michelle Malkin on my radio show last night. She went on Fox attacking me back in 2006 when I was uh, being chased out of my teaching job at the University of Wisconsin for talking about this. And uh, she she gets it now. Um, and she apologized to me uh, for what she wrote in 2006. And so she's people are waking right winger too, wasn't she, or isn't she? Well, yeah, yeah, she's she's still on the political right, but her interpretation of things, I think, has grown more sophisticated uh, in in the intervening years. She's moved to Uns.com, and she promised to spend the summer reading Ron Unz's revisionist uh, articles mm. in his American Pravda series. So I hope to have her back on the show then when she's fully red pilled. Right now, she's about uh, half red pilled. <laughs> so the truth is leaking out here, uh, and the crime scene reconstruction in tremendous detail that we get here from Sue Keen is uh, helping, among so many other things. Speaking about truth leaking out, how about the Canadian uh, Trumpian truckers? Hey, that's very yeah. alliterative, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Washington Post tells us there are a bunch of Trumpians. They're all waving Donald Trump flags and, and screaming, Trump, 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 as they drive their trucks into Ottawa. Somehow I didn't see that in the videos, though. No, no, the uh, the Washington Post goes on in great detail about how they had German swastikas. Well, the swastika was on the Canadian flag over the maple leaf, and the raving about Confederate flags, and uh, never specifying which of the four Confederate flags they're talking about. And I know a Canadian in Ottawa, a Jew, who is furious and has disconnected me from being a friend, uh, literally and figuratively on Facebook, uh, because... He doesn't like these people and, and says they are destroying Canada. And I simply sympathize with him on the, the noisy horns and the revving truck engines. Yeah, I don't know if the horns and the truck engines are, are going to destroy Canada. Quite the opposite. <laughs> I think they might actually uh, help save Canada. Um, but the, the, the writing in this Washington Post article is uh, quite revealing um, that, for instance, the tr these trucks serve as a flashback to the Trump caravans that menaced U.S. highways during the 2020 campaign. Now, it's funny, I just don't remember the American highways uh, looking like road warrior during no, the 2020 no. campaign, but maybe I just need to get out of the house more often. Well, you had maybe 20 or 30 cars driving around a city waving Trump flags and blowing. Oh, my God, <laughs> the world's ending. <laughs> exactly. But my guy, look at Canada, the, the government refuses to negotiate uh, with the people, which is a sensible thing to do to stop it. And they wring their hands. Justin Trudeau, who's, whose family has a history of mental problems, is nowhere to be found. And uh, I saw one note that said that the Queen of England wondered if he'd left the country. Wow. Well, uh, I hope they don't push poor Justin over the edge. Uh, <laughs> Another choice sentence from this Washington Post article is, quote, the absence of widespread violence in Ottawa does not mean residents of the Canadian capital don't feel threatened. Mm. So their, their tender feelings uh, are the issue here. It, it, mm. This whole article just it tries to dance around the fact that this is a really extremely nonviolent and for the most part, extremely polite. Hey, it's Canada, right? <laughs> a very yeah. polite demonstration. But they have to try to make it look as bad as they can. Yeah. So they do their best. <laughs> yeah, these people want their civil rights back that Trudeau and his, his, his buffoons have taken away. And my former Canadian friend uh, uh, is ranting and raving about how they're uh, harassing women and, and uh, homosexuals and God knows what. And uh, what I've seen in, in other articles is people in Canada cheering these people and, and feeding them and giving them hot drinks and and warm fires and houses to sleep in at night. Yeah, so here, here's a, another big quote from some psychologist or something. Quote, by what common understanding of the term does what we are seeing on the ground, on TV, in our social media feeds, qualify as peaceful protest? Is it merely the absence of physical violence and injury? <laughs> That's not unimportant, but is insufficient as a definitional threshold. Mm. Oh, man, uh, you're overthinking it, buddy. Um, when there's no what? violence, there's no violence. It's peaceful. And, and you know, and so just because the Mounties or some infiltrators paid somebody to wave a swastika flag somewhere and they could take pictures of that doesn't mean that that's what's really going on there. It's uh, it's really obvious, just like with those European protests that RFK Jr. spoke at, that this is being 
grossly mischaracterized by the mainstream media, but not by Tony Hall, our Canadian friend, Mm -hmm. False Flag Weekly News uh, co-conspirator. He just published this piece in the next slide. The truckers take abuse in Ottawa, uh, and it's uh, quite a good read. It's over at Global Research. I think it's up at the the UNS Review as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Tony... Uh, says that uh, Trudeau is trying to impose a bogus state of emergency to facilitate the criminalization, harassment, and ejection of a group of justice-promoting truckers seeking an audience with our national government. But Trudeau and the government will not have any kind of dialogue with them. Well, to finish this thing off, maybe they're going to have to have a dialogue. Well, definitely. I mean, they're blocking... uh... Uh, ports of entry into the United States now and the uh, Canadian courts and the American government headed by butt nugget Biden, who really needs to be flushed, is ranting and raving that they're encouraging truckers to do the same thing here in the States. And that's uh, probably the subtext of the Washington Post's uh, hysteria and the hysteria of the American mainstream media. Uh, we did cover a Politico story last week that suggested that this could become a huge problem for Biden as it spreads into the U.S. And there already are signs that it is starting to spread. Well, speaking of protests, it's not all just truck drivers. Over in Midtown Manhattan, um, and I imagine our, our uh, friend and False Flag Weekly News co-host, Kat McGuire, uh, may have been part of this. There was a big, quote-unquote, anti-vax protest, which was really probably just a freedom protest. They don't call themselves anti-vax. Hey, we're, you want to get vaxxed? That's fine. It's your free choice, right? That's what these protesters say, but that somehow makes them anti-vax because they're pro-freedom. Anybody who likes freedom must be against forcing everybody to get shot up with the vax, which makes them anti-vax. Anyway, these people uh, were protesting against the Empire 25 AMC Theater that requires all guests above age five to show proof of vaccination. And they force everyone to wear masks, except when they're eating snacks and drinking popcorn or vice versa, whatever it is they do, uh, which makes the whole point of wearing masks uh, somewhat dubious. Anyway, what, what do you think, Mike? Are you, you going to go out and protest at your movie theater if they require vaccination cards? No, because there's nothing worth watching in the theater and the prices are, are sky high. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure how 25 people can be accused of storming a movie theater. Uh, yeah. Plus the fact they didn't wear the um, the Korean nose mask that's been developed for people who eat and drink. It covers your nose and nothing else so you can eat and drink and not spread the dreaded virus wherever you happen to be sitting. The Korean nose mask. Well, you know, yes. I, maybe I'll invent my own uh, version, uh, the rural Wisconsin version of the Korean nose mask. I'll get a... Uh, one of those clothespins and just clap, clap, clap my nose like this. And that way I won't be able to breathe out through my nose. And I will also be symbolizing uh, how I feel about these mm-hmm. mandates, which is that they stink. Mm. Oh, definitely. Okay. Well, uh, let's, let's move on to some of the reasons that there might be some people out there who choose not to be vaccinated and exercising their free choice. Uh, some disturbing facts about the vaccines have been emerging and one of them is uh, Richard Hirschman, the Alabama embalmer, testifying that uh, starting right in 2021, he saw in presumably he said it was in vaccinated people, these uh, horrible clots in the people that he's been embalming. And if you go to the debunking at PolitiFact, it says that what the embalmers are noticing could be the effects of COVID-19 infection itself. <laughs> Well, maybe, but why did it all start in 2021? Why didn't they see any of this in 2020? And why are they saying at least that they're seeing it primarily, or if not only, in uh, vaccinated people? So this debunking is actually quite vague, general, and mm-hmm. dubiously accurate, sort of like the steel beams were weakened by raging fires, so the buildings just pancake kinds of debunkings that we saw of 9-11, mm-hmm. whereas the so-called conspiracy theory is relatively clear, specific, and seemingly accurate. And I've seen this pattern enough times to, you know, I to think that, you know, I this is definitely something that needs to be looked into. The debunking has not succeeded here. Well, exactly. I mean, the, uh, the guy says, well, he couldn't na- tell anything about the people who were cremated, because that's the younger types, but he says the other people that he's looked at, and I'm not sure how he knows they were vaxxed, uh, but... Uh, ne- needle tracks on their arm. <laughs> you, know, you have to get a lot of boosters these days. You end up looking yeah. like a heroin user. Yeah, well, the post the post is now saying that the uh, the the booster shots only last four months and have to be renewed. And that's these so, boosters. It's going to be two months uh, in yeah. two months from now. 
Oh, exactly. So uh, this whole thing, I know one woman who got vaccination, she had a blood clot in her brain and had a stroke and eventually died after about seven months. Oh, no. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, mm. it's, uh, I mean, it's it's still, uh, I, I think there's a dis- debate and discussion to be had using actual scientific data about, you know, t- for which types of people, age groups and conditions and such, yeah. the vaccine might be more or less dangerous than the disease. That's a legitimate discussion that should be uh, had, but it's hard to have it in a climate of pro-vax propaganda pushed by the people making trillions of dollars on the vaccine and enforcing it on everybody. And so this kind of information strikes me as as information that's probably at least as likely to be true as what you see on the other side. And, and then the other big news about possible uh, problems from the vaccines this week was the DMED uh, data dump. That is the Defense Department. Uh, these whistleblowers, uh, what were they, Dr. Samuel Sigaloff, Peter Chambers and Teresa Long, say you know, they, they actually got a hold of all of this Defense Department data showing that there's been a huge increase in all sorts of negative conditions, which seemingly line up with um, with negative uh, effects of the vaccine. Things like my, uh, myocardial infarct reports are up 343 percent, uh, nervous system diseases up 968 percent. And acute myocarditis reports up by 184 percent, all in uh, 2021 when the vaccines rolled out. Mm-hmm. And the attempted debunking of this claims that actually they just screwed up and their data from previous years was wrong. It was too low. And so there's still a discussion about that. And again, at this point, I don't think the debunkers have won it. Yeah. Where is the science? I mean, the Army uh, inducts people who are healthy and fit and then puts them through boot camp to ensure they're healthy and fit. And then during their time of service, every so often, they are tested on their fitness by doing so many push-ups, sit-ups, running a certain distance, and so forth. So uh, I can see why the soldiers are really scared and don't want to be vaxxed. Uh, if this is happening, it's not 10%, 20%, it's hundreds of percent uh, of some serious illnesses like neurological diseases and heart attacks. So... Uh, uh, we need science, not uh, political gibble-gabble. And it's interesting that nobody in the Defense Department tried to correct this during the many, many months that these figures were there until they were leaked by the whistleblowers. It, either there's a serious incompetence involved or something worse. Mm. Um, well, our, our next story on Vax Facts is that here's a fun fact about vaccination. The United States has a lower vaccination rate than any of these other countries tracked uh, except Russia. Now, of course, there are lots of countries in the world that have much lower rates than, than these. Uh, most African countries, I think, average something like 5%. Uh, well, Russia has a 49% vaccination rate. What's the U.S. up to, like 60% or something like that? Yeah, 66. No, maybe it's 66.6. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the real point here is what's interesting is that the vaccination rates are unrelated to the COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. A very comprehensive study was done on this quite a while back and published in one of the world's leading medical journals showing that there was no relationship between the problems that any given jurisdiction is having with COVID and the rate of vaccination, suggesting that the vaccines overall are not having any benefits. Maybe they benefit some people and harm others, um, Maybe they're benefiting the vaccinated people and harming the unvaccinated, or maybe it's vice versa. Who knows? But in any event, this notion that getting a high vaccination rate is going to solve the COVID problem has completely fallen apart. And even the mainstream is starting to admit it now. No, it doesn't work. I had a contact in Germany tell me just the other day that uh, her brother-in-law and his two children were vaccinated, and they all came down with the, the virus. And uh, in varying degrees, the the niece apparently was put to bed with a high fever. Uh, and you have these high vaccination rates in Europe, and Europe has the strictest controls forcing you to be uh, produce vax papers to go buy food in a grocery store. Uh, yet people are still catching this stuff. So, uh, you know, where is the science? And I think the, the government is slowly catching up. Our next slide is the appeals court upholding the freeze on the vaccine mandate for federal workers. Uh, this was the Feds for, Fed- for Medical Freedom, Feds for Medical Freedom, <laughs> Feds for Medical Freedom versus Joseph R. Biden et al. And the Feds won um, against Biden, the head Fed. So well, people are fed up with <laughs> the vaccine. Even the Feds are fed up with the vaccine yeah. mandates. 
Well, exactly. And uh, I'm surprised that a court did rule that because you've seen other courts ruling that, oh, if you're a student, you have to be vaxxed. If you're a, um, a doctor or a nurse and work in a hospital, you have to be vaxxed. And uh, I, I frankly don't see it. Uh, I, people that get vaxxed get the disease and people who don't get vaxxed don't get the z- disease for the most part. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, but I think the opposite that we're being told is not so much the case either. That mm. is, uh, but you know, that's, this is a, something I try to hash out with people like Matthew Crawford, the statistician that I had on my show recently, who argues for a fairly high number of vaccine deaths, as many as 200,000 or a little over that here in the U.S. alone. Uh, and he, he finds, uh, that number by looking at the uptick in uh, deaths, mostly misclassified, he thinks, as COVID deaths that happens everywhere. Whenever any country breaks out vaccines, there's this uptick in deaths. They're mostly classified as COVID deaths. He thinks they're actually vaccine deaths. So um, anyway, be that as it may, uh, people should be allowed to discuss this, express their views, uh, look at the case being made by experts on both sides. One of the experts on the uh, non-mainstream side, Dr. Luc Montagnier, passed away this week. He's a Nobel laureate, one of the world's uh, greatest experts on viruses. And he said that this vaccination campaign is an enormous mistake. And he said it was creating the variants. Uh, and of course, his recent work has been on a scientific basis for homeopathy, which has earned him all sorts of enmity from his medical colleagues. So, you know, which science do you trust, this Nobel laureate or these other guys? Well, this is the guy who did research initially on HIV and AIDS. And uh, somehow that's fine. But if you criticize the, the vaccine and this, this vaccine hysteria, uh, suddenly you're, you're not a medical doctor. You're not a scientist. You're, uh, you're some charlatan selling snake oil. And some people are suspicious about Luc Montagnier passing away. Uh, so I, I haven't seen anything that would really raise my suspicions. But contextually, he is one of the most important people, one of the most qualified experts who's been on the anti-establishment side of the COVID debate. So I suppose there's a, a certain amount of uh, suspicion uh, just just based on, on this. Uh, um, the, the timing, you know, we've lost his voice and uh, it's, you know, people do have to realize that it's one risks one's career and reputation to speak out the way that he did. Uh, well, moving on to uh, a totally unrelated uh, but controversial issue, we just witnessed the 53rd anniversary of the Islamic Revolution in Iran. That was yesterday, February 11th. And here's a really good press TV documentary about it. And then in the next slide, we see that on the anniversary of the Islamic Revolution, Israel says it has freedom of action against Iran, meaning we can attack you anytime we want. Uh, issuing threats like this is supposed to be prohibited by international law, but somehow nothing seems to apply to Israel. No, no, and uh, their freedom of action depends on whether the United States okays the strike against Iran or not. And uh, I would hope the general staff has enough sense uh, not to give them the green light, but then uh, uh, they let them go murder uh, General Qasem Soleimani uh, a couple of years ago. So uh, who knows what what these people are doing? Well, Israel has a history, uh, at least some historians believe, of creating distractions for its its wars, um, uh, in in uh, from Yahweh to Zion, uh, the uh, the great history of uh, of uh, Jewish thought from from a heretical perspective, uh, it suggested that the 1967 war was essentially made possible by the Vietnam War. That is, uh, when Kennedy was killed, Kennedy was standing in the way of Israeli expansionism and its nuclear program. And then Israel's man, Johnson, was put in office. Uh, the Vietnam War in the United States served as a gigantic distraction that allowed Israel to get away with its war of aggression in 1967. And so something similar that has been proposed might be involved with the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, tensions right now. If, if war breaks out in Ukraine, Israel can attack Iran and whether or not Biden or whoever uh, gives them the nod. So our, our next uh, slide here is uh, the first section on, the, on this Ukraine crisis, which is still kind of at a low boil. And we shouldn't discount the possibility that the Israelis are playing a role here, as they mm-hmm. have in so many other wars. Yeah, I mean, I, I frankly worry about a uh, neo-Nazi, unstable Ukrainian government having nuclear weapons. I, I think it's a good thing that they turned them over. Yeah, this is the New York Times basically regretting that 
<laughs> Ukraine didn't keep its 5,000 nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, New York Times tells us basically, well, at the time it seemed like a good idea <laughs> to get rid yeah. of these 5,000 nukes, but now we wish Ukraine still had them so they could blow up Russia and create a nuclear winter that would kill everybody on the planet. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I follow that logic. Well, this is why I wonder about the suspicious death of Manuel Oxenreiter. He was a German journalist in Russia, and he wrote extensively about the Ukraine and the eastern region, the Donbass area, with the republics of uh, uh, Donetsk and Lugansk. And suddenly he turns up dead uh, in four, at the age of 45 in Moscow in his apartment. Yeah, well, is it, one of the interesting tidbits in this article was that it turns out John Mersheimer, uh, who's well known for his arguments that the U.S. Mideast policy has basically been taken over by the Israel lobby, was one of those uh, critics of uh, Ukraine giving up its nukes. And he actually wanted them to keep some as a mm. deterrent to the Russians. So that, that's interesting. And he's famous yeah. as a kind of a realist, uh, great power rivalry analyst. Um, well, another uh, New York Times propaganda article on Ukraine is... The, uh, the Finns, uh, uh, they don't want, uh, Ukraine to be Finlandized and they probably don't want Finland to be Ukrainicized. And I don't blame either of them, but this article is basically saying that poorer Finland had to be very wimpy and, you know, basically dominated by the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And we certainly wouldn't want Ukraine to have to feel that way about Russia now. And, you know, the problem with this whole argument is, that it ignores the sovereignty question the other way around. That is, what we're really talking about here is, is will these countries be occupied by NATO? NATO is U.S. military occupation. And its yeah. propaganda has been very successful. So many of the victims of this occupation don't understand that they're victims, but they are. And so we need to be exposing that that's the real issue. The real occupation problem is not occupation by Russia. The real occupation problem in Europe is occupation by the United States through its uh, euphemism for American occupation, which is NATO. Well, that's an extension of the elder Trudeau's statement about the United States. He said that uh, Canada was so far from God and so near to the United States. And I think with NATO in the U.S. and Europe, I, I think the same thing holds true. Well, Canada's getting closer to God with that trucker protest, but yeah, I see your point. Uh, so let's move to the best article on Ukraine this week, which was uh, from um, Michael Hudson. Uh, and this article, I think, really lays bare what's behind the whole thing, which is that the U.S. is no longer produces anything except for paper dollars that are utterly worthless, backed by nothing, and military equipment to threaten to kill people. We don't produce anything of economic value anymore, or at least not nearly enough. And so we have to steal from others. We're stealing from the world through the dollar scam, the petrodollar, by forcing people to take worthless green paper in return for real goods and services. And then we use our military to threaten them if, if they don't. And so right now, the U.S. Uh, parasite, the giant global parasite, the leech, is trying to uh, leech uh, from, from Europe and, and steal from Europe, forcing Europe to buy extremely expensive American energy instead of really cheap Russian energy, forcing Europe to trade uh, to its this, uh, against its own interests with the U.S. and not trade uh, for its own interests with Russia and China. That's what's really going on here. It's a gigantic scam. And so this whole hoax that Russia wants to invade Ukraine has been essentially invented out of whole cloth uh, as Ukraine has been prodded to threaten the Russian speakers within its borders uh, and, and rile up Russian public opinion. And all of this is essentially to keep U.S. domination of uh, Europe and the rest of the world and keep the United States sucking the world dry and trading worthless dollars and the threat of death for real goods and services. That's really what's happening in today's world. Well, he touches on a couple of points that I mentioned in my book, Visas for Al-Qaeda, uh, where he mentions that uh, Charles de Gaulle had wanted a Europe of Europeans rather than an Americanized Europe, which is what the, the United States wants. Uh, plus the fact that the goal of American foreign policy and driving um, people from the destroyed countries of the Middle East and the uh, North Africa into Europe is to split Germany away from Russia uh, and a marriage of resources and know-how uh, that would be an active counterweight to the United States. Well, that's right. 
And the, you know, the parasitical forces here, of course, it's not really the United States per se that's the parasite. It's the private bankers who mm. own the machinery of money printing and essentially own the U.S. military as their private gangster army, as Medley Butler mm. wrote. So what I just said was not uh, about the United States as a nation. It was about the parasite that in, is controlling the United States as well as trying to bleed Europe and Russia and everywhere else. Um, and so what's the solution to this? Well, some people think that, you know, Trump and his nationalism is a solution. I don't think so. Uh, in the next slide, we're moving on to this war on Trump uh, category. And uh, John Bolton tells us that if Trump had won, the Russians would already be in Kiev. Uh, that's pretty hilarious. Uh, Bolton says Trump would have given the Ukraine away if he'd won in 2020. And uh, in fact, uh, Trump was, as I recall, standing firm against that pipeline, the Russian gas pipeline to Germany, which is really at the crux of this issue, whereas Biden actually backed off on that. And then apparently his people have regretted that. And so now they're stirring up this problem. But it's really about the deep state. It's and the masters of the deep state, the the banking cartel, the usury Ariba cartel, the evil parasites who dominate the Western world by having the right, you know, grabbing the ability to print the money. Uh, those are the people who are running everything, including Bolton's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Bolton ought to run his mouth to a good psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is a, a real uh, case, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he didn't, his, his wife divorced him because she was like, you know, forcing him to do uh, hideous things in large crowds of, of men. And oh, we don't want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the National Archives, uh, where uh, they're retrieving Trump's sets of documents, including his love letters from Kim Jong-un. That's right. Trump actually describes these letters from Kim as love letters. And right before Valentine's Day, having the archives go and steal Trump's love letters from Kim. I mean, that's really mean. Well, I think they need to go back a little bit to the Clinton administration when they had this guy, Sandy Berger, uh, who was hauled into court eventually for taking home computer loads of uh, classified documents and papers of classified documents that he cut up with a pair of scissors. Somehow that seems to have disappeared uh, from the uh, the lamestream media's memory. There have been a number of these cases of document destruction by people connected to various administrations, including there was a, a big one after 9-11. I forget which one of uh, the top Bush administration neocons, uh, Israeli stooges, went to the National Archives and stole a huge number of documents just blatantly without even really trying to hide the fact that he was stealing them, which is why he got caught. Um, so Trump's not the only one, that's for sure. Uh, and finally, our last uh, Trump-related story. Well, this is vaguely Trump-related because uh, here we have the Atlantic magazine trying to shore up Biden's hideous poll numbers by convincing us that the economy is actually really, really, really great. And, of course, Trump is, would tell us, no, I, I'm the guy who had the really, really great economy until they blew it up with covid and in fact, I'm not sure the economy is really so great. If you read the details in this article, it points out that inflation adjusted wages are down almost two and a half percent over the course of 2021. So they supposedly went up in the first quarter of like in 2020 during the COVID crisis. OK, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And now the wages are down. The real wages after inflation are down two and a half percent. That's a good economy. Well, the article tells us that lowest wage workers are actually a little tiny bit up, but everybody else is even further down than two and a half percent. That doesn't look like a good economy to me. No, they've been uh, going on in the damn Yankee government for uh, years upon years upon years about how wonderful the economy is how low inflation is, and how high the employment level is. Uh, and I know people who've been looking for jobs for years and given up on it, even though they're terribly qualified computer whizzes, and have started making programs for people to put up on YouTube as a way of making a living. So I, I don't believe any of this crap, and uh, I don't think anybody with half a brain uh, would or should either. You know, it's getting so bad. I might even have to try to make a living putting programs up on YouTube. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can't do that. I've been banned or I've, I've got two strikes on YouTube. So I'm just going to have to make my living by putting programs up at uh, Rumble and places like that mm -hmm. that still have a free speech guarantee. Mm -hmm. At least I hope they do. Um, Substack does. And that reminds me, as long as we're here talking about such things, um, I hope we made our quota this week. I didn't check before the show, so I'm not going to beg for money for very long here, but we do need to make that quota at fundraiser.com. And you can find the fundraiser link. If you go to my false flag weekly news page, you can just go to truthjihad.com, click on the false flag weekly news link. And you're there. Look at like the first link in the list of stories, like story number one is always the kind of the fundraiser link. 
and go there and help us make our quota. Okay, enough economy stuff. How about the, the war on China? Um, well, China is another problem, probably a much bigger problem for, than Russia, for the uh, people who are trying to rule the world through usury. And uh, this week we had China and Argentina agreeing that Argentina runs and owns the Falkland Islands, which are right off the Argentine coast, but somehow the British think it belongs to them. Um, so, hey, are we going to see a Falklands War II anytime soon? I doubt it, although uh, the Falklands have been occupied by the British, by the Argentinians, by the French, and by the Spanish, so it's kind of hard to tell uh, to which country they really belong. Uh, and they're an awful long way from uh, merry old England, from what I can see on the map. And they've also been occupied by seabirds for a very long time before <laughs> that. Uh, Witness the mountains of guano that are probably the natural resource that's uh, leading to all of these geopolitical struggles. Well, actually, I'm just making stuff up. Uh, let's move on to the Chinese debt bomb. Uh, Xi Jinping is going to be blown up by China's debt bomb. Well, that's what the American propaganda media here in the form of Newsweek is trying to tell us. Um, and, and yeah, there's some truth to this story, as there always is in the mainstream media propaganda. Uh, Chinese real estate is inflated. And China has a problem with COVID, quote unquote, ripping through the country. Why? Because China did such a good job of locking down that they don't have any natural immunity. And their vaccines aren't very effective. Um, ours may not be either, but theirs might be even less effective. And so their only defense against coronavirus is isolation. So, you know, COVID is going to be messing with China for a long time, long after the uh, West has natural immunity. And that makes me wonder if the people who unleashed COVID didn't intend that. You know, everyone says, well, Really, is is Ron Uns right that this is this was a U.S. bio attack on China and Iran? If so, it sure seemed to backfire, didn't it? Well, I don't know because actually China's policy may be self defeating in the long run. The purpose of attacking COVID or attacking China with COVID would have been to try to take out the Chinese economy or at least slow down its growth, and it succeeded. China's growth has slowed, and at least this this article is is kind of hoping and crossing its fingers that China's growth will be slowed in the long term, precisely because they were so successful in locking down against COVID. They have no natural immunity. They're going to be having to have on and off lockdowns for a decade or more. That will permanently slow their growth. And so the people that unleashed COVID on China, people like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and Robert Cadillac, Trump's germ warfare czar, those people are going to go down in history as winners because they, they killed China's uh, double-digit growth economy by attacking them with a bioweapon. Um, I hope not. I hope this whole thing gets exposed and Pompeo and Bolton and Cadillac uh, end up uh, hanging somewhere uh, for war crimes. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I also know a former Soviet diplomat who uh, firmly believes that the uh, uh, the virus was directed against Iran and China. And of course, Newsweek, if they worry about debt and, and housing prices, ought to come to Washington, D.C. Uh, and, and look at how the prices have gone out of control here. Yeah, and of course, China, yeah. It's, it's Newsweek that also uh, told the, the former journalist, um, um, forgotten the guy's name now, uh, about how he should write articles that are favorable to their uh, clients like the uh, big business and the American government because that's where their uh, advertising money comes from. Usually they don't have to spell it out that directly. I mean, that journalist must have been a little slow on the uptake. Uh, oh, well. Any, anyway, uh, China is probably in a better position to deal with debt than than the uh, West is because the Chinese government has a kind of a national policy about the way they issue their money. And it's primarily public currency, which is the reason that they've been eating our lunch for all of these years, mm -hmm. or one of the reasons anyway. Um but that's uh, that's another topic. We'll have to bring Michael Hudson on to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to the last uh, war on China story. Uh, China is developing an AI nanny for artificial embryos or embryos in artificial wombs, I should say. I guess artificial embryos is another step. Uh, but fortunately, this isn't going to happen anytime soon. These artificial these embryos are, in fact, being animal embryos being raised for scientific purposes. And it's not anywhere near ready to use on humans. Uh, so. I guess we have a reprieve here before all humans are being artificially reproduced in these AI wombs. And that would be one more step towards uh, life in the matrix. Well, just think of the, the benefits. No more morning sickness, no more buying special clothes uh, and so on and so forth. 
Well, that's that's probably what they want you to think. I mean, that's the uh, the people running the world these days do seem to want to destroy the family, destroy nature, destroy natural reproduction. Uh, so I'm sure they'll come out with a series of advertisements based on what you just said, Mike. Uh, <laughs> whether it works or not, I don't know. I mean, human beings are fairly resilient. Um, so let, let's let's move on to the topic of the radical rethinking of money. This is related to the war on China, of course, where China has uh, more or less public currency and the U.S. has private usury currency. Well, the U.S. may move to digital private usury currency. The Fed, which is owned by private banksters, may start just, quote unquote, printing uh, this digital currency directly that would be sort of like when you're using PayPal and stuff like that, only it's going to be the U.S. dollar. And in fact, that means the Fed would be tracking your every economic move. They would have a total record of everything you ever bought and sold. To me, that sounds a little bit like the mark of the beast. Well, exactly. The Chinese do that now with their uh, universal uh, computerized systems of uh, buying and selling things and uh, making sure that whether you're on the good guys list or the bad guys list, depending on what you're buying or selling or doing. And of course, uh, I'd love to see how this is going to work because when I go to the gym, they have this touchless check-in now. And I'm supposed to pull up their um, their app on my iPhone. And a lot of mornings it doesn't happen. And uh, I have to give them my name and telephone number so they can check me in. So I, I, I think this is uh, has the seeds of his own destruction in it. Plus, uh, the hackers will have a field day. Yeah, I, I don't like the idea of a cashless society where every transaction is tracked. Uh, it's tracked by private actors, quote unquote, here in the U.S. today is tracked by the government in China. I don't like that. Maybe I'll run for Congress on a platform of mandatory um, 5% cash discounts. Like everywhere <laughs> you go, they have to give you maybe even 10%. Or maybe you could have 5% cash discount, 10% discount for using precious metals as currency, commodity currency. Um, that, of course, would not be in the interest of the people that create funny money by, by printing green, worthless green toilet paper. Uh, but that would be the whole point. Um, on the other hand, if I ever uh, got anywhere with that proposal, I might go the way of JFK. Uh, <laughs> enough of my megalomaniacal fantasies. Uh, let's move on to uh, another war on freedom topic here, which is the no-knock warrants. Here's a good piece by Tom Hartman uh, about how the no-knock warrants, they're leading to so many people getting shot by cops and, and some cops getting shot as well, never existed before Richard Nixon said, hey, we need some kind of campaign strategy to demonize hippies and black people. And this was, it's not me saying, this was John Ehrlichman, who was part of the discussions. He was in the Nixon administration. And Ehrlichman said, quote, we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. So, boom, they declared war on drugs, and they brought in the no-knock warrants, so cops come and kick in people's doors, which totally violates British common law, the castle doctrine, your home is your castle. It's insane that they do this, and people are dying all the time. So I think Tom Hartman is absolutely right in this article. Well, I've got to say that his typical Tom Hartman, he used to talk like a crazy man when he had a show on RT when it was broadcast here in Washington. <laughs> I know people who written and denounced him uh, for his crazy viewpoints. Uh, he was very, very biased uh, in his commentary for the most part. And I don't think Richard Nixon can be blamed for uh, controlling the police department of California or uh, Oregon or, or someplace else uh, for a no-knock warrant. This is something that became very, very fashionable amongst the police forces and the, um, uh, the rough, tough uh, prosecutors who wanted to be uh, – uh, hard on crime. So I, I, I think that uh, you can't blame the no knock warrant on Nixon. You can blame it on the zealous prosecutors and as a way of getting around the, the Fourth Amendment. Well, I guess Hartman's argument is that the, the so-called war on drugs, when they declared a war on drugs, that was a little bit like the so-called war on terror after 9-11 mm -hmm. or today's war on COVID. It's this mass propaganda operation. And so the stuff that happens on the ground at the local level is partly driven by the larger, quote unquote, war and the so-called war on drugs. You know, the first time really that this kind of marketing campaign equip making this uh, equivalence between something like uh, you know drug policy and war had been used. And so I think that propaganda did have something to do with why the local police departments did the no-knock warrants. And I'm not sure what, you know, nuts and bolts of this, whether federal law was involved or anything like that. 
Uh, so yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Hartman's exaggerating somewhat, but I think he's, he's right that the war on drugs under Nixon was completely uh, evil and insane as are no knock warrants. Yeah, but as, the issue is, of course, the judge who issues the thing, you, you want to blame somebody, blame the, the zealous judge. And I've heard also stories about Hartman being connected at one time with the CIA. Well, this is too many ad hominems against Hartman. I think I still think it's a good article, no matter who wrote it. <laughs> okay, moving on to Texas and Tennessee. Uh, no, not Texas and Tennessee. Actually, first we're going to the woke. The first woke school story is in Florida, where uh, I guess DeSantis is, you know, picking up on this mass movement of parents who are upset about what their kids are being taught in schools. And among the things that they're upset about are uh, so-called critical race theory, where they see that there's this systematic attempt to sort of try to make white people feel guilty for what their ancestors may have done. And then there's also the issue of this kind of gender confusion uh, and propaganda kids' books for uh, preschooler, well, I don't know, preschoolers, but very, very young children trying to enforce these views of human sexuality and gender that are radically counter to the teachings of every serious organized religion, um, and I would add common sense. So uh, in this, I actually kind of tend to sympathize with DeSantis, although I think these people are getting some of the details wrong. Well, the uh, it's a battle in the Washington area, in particular in Loudoun County, which is an exurb of the city. Uh, the... Um, uh, People in the uh, who have children in the school system are screaming blue bloody murder at this out of control uh, series of school boards, and they've managed to elect uh, more uh, reasonable people uh, and who are stopping this uh, glorification of the LGBTQ plus the rest of the alphabet that uh, seems to be such a the darling of the uh, the lamestream media. Uh, in fact, the Washington Post had a big big article the other day about how. There was a counterattack being organized by suburban moms uh, to ensure that they have the, the, the proper uh, uh, attitude towards transvestites and homosexuals and so forth. Right. And um, I do understand why parents are upset about this. Uh, and here in, in Florida, I guess the lawmakers are considering bills that would bar teachers from discussing sexual orientation in primary school. Um, you wouldn't really think they would need that kind of bill. But, hey, this is the, the world we're in today. And then in Texas and Tennessee, we're seeing kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, we hear in the propaganda media that, you know, Putin and Russia are evil because they have a law against homosexual propaganda targeting children. I think we need that same kind of law. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But you've got these characters who are six foot five and wear a dress uh, and who are very vocal in the, uh, on, on such things. So uh, you... Uh, uh, have to take their uh, their pulpit away from them, I think. Uh, people take them seriously for some reason when they're really marginalized nutcases. In, in this article, uh, and these, these mainstream articles, of course, are very much against the parents on this issue. The article begins, nearly seven years ago, Melanie Graff's four-year-old daughter was in the children's section of her local North Texas library when she picked up a book about an LGBTQ pride parade. Okay. Well, I, I can kind of see why this mom might be upset, not necessarily because the book itself would be disgusting or anything like that, but that, I mean, if you if you know what an LGBTQ pride parade looks like, and I do, I used to live in San Francisco. I was in San Francisco from 1981 through 1994, and I used to go out there on Halloween, and I saw some of these LGBTQ pride parades, and uh, they're pretty X-rated. I won't get into details for fear of, uh, of offending the tender and delicate sensibilities of, of the listeners that have, of course, been repeatedly warned about such things in our disclaimers at the beginning of the show. Uh, but, uh, you know, and people who want to kind of get a sense of this uh, and get a good laugh should look at Giudonet's comedy routines on this. Giudonet has a comedy routine on taking his uh, his child uh to a pride parade uh so really i, I think there is a, a cultural clash here and frankly i think the conservatives here are really more on the side of common sense well the biden administration has just appointed or is trying to appoint a guy named sam brinton to a high level position in the department of energy uh and he's a guy who uh uh goes out in drag uh with a leash on men dressed as dogs uh, in some of these parades, and then takes them home and has sex with them. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that that whole idea of 
um, the pursuit of happiness, individual pursuit of happiness trumps everything else, which is at the heart of the philosophy of liberalism. Um, and it's enshrined in our constitution as uh, the pursuit of happiness. I think it's maybe gone a little too far at a certain point. Uh, Definitely. So anyway, uh, I'm sure we'll have some viewers who disagree. I always get some pushback when we talk about such things, which is fine. Hey, it's uh, a free country. Well, maybe. Uh, but we do have a couple of more stories in the identity politics running amok section. Uh, here's a fight between uh, Ron Johnson, our senator from Wisconsin, and Deborah Lipstadt, who is called uh-huh. in this article. She's termed, quote, the foremost expert on anti-Semitism and Holocaust denialism. If she's the biggest expert on that issue of Holocaust denialism, you know, then the Holocaust deniers have won. You know, I, I, I at one point I sat down and I read the most prominent books on that issue of the Holocaust denial debate. You know, I, I read uh, Debating the Holocaust by Thomas Dalton. And he's on the uh, the revisionist side. Then I, I read Shermer and Grobman's book. Um, I think it's Denying History, uh, which is uh, a tame and not very convincing, but at least sane attempt to defend Holocaust orthodoxy. And then I read Deborah Lipstadt's book, uh, something like uh, Denying whatever it was. It's her, her go-to book on Holocaust denial. She's insane. If that's the best argument that she has, obviously the deniers are right. You know, this woman is like, she's not qualified to teach high school, maybe not even grade school. Her mind is not rational. She's just one big ball of insane emotions uh, and totally incoherent. I mean, it's amazing that such a person ever rose to even be teaching junior high school, much less be a college professor who ends up being appointed uh, to, to an important administration post. Well, important. Anti-Semitisms are. I guess that's important these days. At the State Department, no less. Yeah, uh, but she was the woman who destroyed um, David Harding in, in Britain. She accused him of uh, being a Holocaust denier, and he sued her. And in Britain, uh, the defendant has to prove uh, that the truth of what she said, and she couldn't do it. But uh, the judge, the uh, the pro semi judge, I guess, uh, destroyed Harding uh, and basically made him poor. And they they are all exulting in this. And in fact, they put Harding in jail in Austria for saying terrible things like, "Well, maybe Adolf Hitler didn't use poison gas to kill every Jew that he did," and somehow this is a a jail worthy offense in Austria. You know, Lipstadt winning a debate in court with Irving, you know, is is basically like a preschooler, you know, winning a debate with Einstein. It's just bizarre, just completely bizarre. But, you know, that's the world we live in. Moving on to uh, crack pipe distribution to underserved communities, (laughs) (laughs) HHS uh, announces that it will be uh, funding... Uh, through its grants, the smoking kits and pipes for smokers of crystal methamphetamine, crack cocaine, and any illicit substances. Um, and in these crack pipes have already been distributed by San Francisco and Seattle with their uh, democratic city governments. So I guess uh, the way that you try to help the under, underserved uh, community <laughs> is through handing out free crack pipes. Well, they, they say that our crack pipes, unlike the glass ones that they might use otherwise, will not break and cut you. <laughs> Somehow, I think that if you're smoking crack, you might have worse problems than cutting yourself. Well, equal rights for drug addicts. I mean, that, that's like the, uh, the line from the, um, one of the series of uh, Charles Bronson movies, uh, Death Wish, uh, where people were being criticized for uh, uh, exulting in the death of murderers. And they said, what do you want, uh, equal rights for for killers? I mean, this is insane. And as you said uh, earlier, you can't make this stuff up. And more stuff you can't make up. Our next story, um, the uh, U.S. media is questioning the use of non-white emojis by white people. It's actually <laughs> National Public Radio that did this huge article with three journalists. Uh, God knows how much time and money they put into this to dissect, like, is it racist to use this or that emoji? Now, me, I'm going to get in the, onto the identity politics bandwagon here and, and admit that I identify as an emoji phobe. I find emojis stupid and offensive. They're basically a lie. They pretend to replace actual physical gestures by human hands and faces like this one. Hey, emoji. That's a, that's a physical gesture. And if you were here in my physical space, you would understand my meaning and it would be real. But no, you know, as a sane person perceives a thumbs up emoji, uh, 
they don't have the same perception of that as they would if, you know, you were sitting next to somebody who did a thumbs up gesture, a real physical human being. So like lockdowns and distancing and masking, emojis are conditioning us to live in the alienated, abstract, hypermediated world of cyberspace without any actual human contact. They're conditioning us to live in the matrix. And speaking of insanely alienating practices, what could be more alienating than forcing people to cover their faces with useless pieces of cloth to symbolize their fear of mortality and of each other? What could be more alienating than mask mandates? I'll tell you what. Pantyhose! Pantyhose mandates! That's right. Pantyhose head mandates are coming to a jurisdiction near you. Pretty soon you won't be able to go in the store, sit down in a cafe, or go to a restaurant, or even poke your nose outside your door without first pulling a pair of pantyhose over your head! Uh, and this is not satire. This is a serious article in mainstream media, vice.com, finding that you, they're urging you to pull pantyhose over your head so that your totally useless mask is a slightly less useless because the pantyhose squashes the mask tighter against your face. Mike, you can't make this stuff up. No, no. I mean, you, you got the idea that you're, you're a, a closeted transvestite if you're wearing women's stockings on your head. And then there's a practical issue of, well, what happens if you wear glasses like the two of us do? Uh, do you put your glasses on before the, uh, the pantyhose goes over your head? Or do you put them on afterwards? And if you do, how do you hook them over your ears? Well, uh, I guess we're going to have to think about that uh, for, for a week <laughs> or, in your case, for a month, and then come back and with the answer on the next False Flag Weekly News. So uh, thank you to our viewers and especially people who help with our fundraiser, which has been a little slow lately. So tut-tut, I'm going to have to beg for money during a larger portion of the show if we don't catch up on that. In fact, I might have to do the show with a pantyhose over my head if you don't give us money. Now, that is a serious <laughs> threat. All right. Thanks, Mike. Great show. <laughs> have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.